Hey everybody, welcome back to Free Indeed. Hope you're doing good. I wanted to talk about confidence today. And it's a very important topic, believe it or not, in the body of Christ. It's very important to have confidence in what we believe. And our flagship verse today will be Ephesians 3.12 In whom we have boldness, talking about Jesus, and access with confidence by the faith of Him. So in the believer's life, we're supposed to have confidence and trust and faith and even boldness in what Jesus has done for us. And many, many teachers, many teachings out there actually serve to destroy your confidence. And I'll tell you why. I believe the reason a lot of teachings out there actually destroy some of the confidence that we have is because there's something in our flesh and it's called pride and pride can't stand the thought that there is a generous gospel out there good news that a loving God that first of all a God could be loving and gracious and better than we think now here's where pride comes in pride says well, I've got to do something. There has to be something that I contribute to this or else it's not real. And we may not necessarily have that exact thought when we feel a little bit uh, less than confident in the gospel. But that is the core thought. And if you think about it, you'll see, you'll see what I mean. You'll see that if you have fear at all when somebody talks about the return of Christ and uh, how many of you know it's it's easy to start to get a little uncomfortable, especially if you were brought up in religion or if you grew up in a denomination uh, or hearing anybody for that matter talking about you got make sure you're ready, you got to be ready and they're and they're talking to believers, not realizing that the blood of Jesus has made you ready. On one of the last episodes, I talked about how the blood of Jesus made you close and made you near to God even though you were far off. Well, if it made you close to God, and and then when it's time for him to unzip this reality and reach in and, and you know gather his children to him, uh, if we're already close to him in the spirit, why do we think that when he you know comes back uh, to this physical realm to retrieve us, that we're any less close suddenly? You know what I mean? Why why would we think that? Well, to start with the obvious, you know, sin is one of the things that is a, a confidence uh, buster because when we do uh, give in to sin the enemy is going to berate us and try to get our eyes back on what we just did right instead of what Jesus did because if the if the blood of Jesus is available for somebody who's never known him before and offers salvation which if you know Christianity 101, uh, the basics of Christianity is about how Jesus is our Savior. He took our sin. He took our punishment, not just for us, but as us. The Bible says He became sin on the cross. He didn't just give a token. It's not He's He's not a token Savior, and this is not a token faith. This is real. It really happened supernaturally, spiritually. I don't know all the dynamics behind it, but somehow, some way, in the Spirit, He really became sin for us on the cross. Amen. 
And when he died, our sin died. We died, our old selves. Uh, I like what some teachers out there say how, you know, part of the gospel that doesn't really get preached a lot because, you know, for some reason it's not popular, but it's you died. (laughs) You already died with Christ. And so for those that don't understand this, it would be easy to understand why you would think that even a Christian who by rights and by, you know, uh, foundational statement is somebody who is a born again, new creature in Christ with a new nature, a new spirit and a new destination, a new past, a new identity. Everything has become new. Jesus wasn't just being philosophical, you know, and lofty idealism whenever he said, you know, I make all things new. He wasn't just trying to sound impressive and you know, uh, uh, he Jesus never served word salads. He gave you lots of meat, bread, and he gave you the real stuff. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I don't like word salads. And a word salad is like when somebody says a lot of big, fluffy, impressive sounding things, but then when you boil it down, it's like, what did they really say? And they didn't, you realize they didn't really say anything. They just talked a whole lot of noise and nothing important of a, or a value or um, applicable was really mentioned. That's a word salad. They can use big words, lofty words. And it's like, what did that guy even say? But Jesus never did that. He didn't just say that for his health. He didn't say that just so he can have a nice scripture to put a nice, cool, foggy mountain or foggy forest in the background of, and behold, I make all things new. And there's like this dirt path in the wilderness. And, oh, that's a nice picture. That's a nice verse. I'll go ahead and like that while I'm on Instagram. No, Jesus didn't do it for the gram. He didn't, he did not say these things just so we can say, oh, that's nice to think about. He said these things because they were true. Amen. He said these things because they were the reality of the mission that he was on. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I hate wasting time. I hate wasting things. And you can ask those that know me close. I just, uh, I try to find a use for everything. I try to even recycle things, even, uh, an old salsa jar or something, I, I think about what could I use this for? And uh, yeah, most of the time it's like, just throw it away. But that's how my mind works. And I think I think God uh, really never does anything without there being a very significant purpose to it. You know, even if it is just a great lesson that re-encourages you in, in your walk with the Lord, that it's not over for you yet, that right there is worth it, you know? And again, the theme of of this episode is confidence and we can have confidence in what Jesus said. I mean, and I could go hours, I mean, really about all the different, just the verses uh, about confidence. But Ephesians 3.12 is going to be our, our flagship verse that we can have confidence in him and boldness and having access through our faith in him. So right there, that actually is a quick uh, snapshot of a foundational truth of the gospel. It's by grace through faith, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. And, you know, I can go on and on. No one has any boasting before God. You know, one of my favorite ministers, his name is Paul Ellis. He's from the UK. He's got a really cool website called Escape to Reality. Uh, I think it's .org if you want to check it out. Escape to Reality .org. And throughout the years, he's he's been a very big inspiration to me as well, and encouraging me in the gospel. 
uh, whenever I've, and we all, we all need it. I'm, I'm never going to not need confidence and you're never going to be in a place where you're, you got it so good. You don't need confidence. We, we all need confidence. We all need to have that confidence because you can't believe something unless you have confidence in it. Right. Cause then it's not really belief. You're just choosing to say, well, I, I would like to believe this, but I, I don't really buy it, you know, but we need to have that confidence in the faith and in, in the gospel because the only other alternative is is human works and that's what every other religion is made up of is just works you know it's all about how good you can be so that way you can possibly have a better afterlife once you leave this life every other religion is like that even if it's just like the new age stuff of well um it's not necessarily sin or righteousness it's just like a higher or lower vibration blah 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 the weird stuff that i don't even know where it comes from other than the pit of hell um and so Every other religion or spirituality is all about what you are doing so that that way you can ascend or leave this earth when it's your time to leave and then come into a better reality, a higher dimension, this and that. And it's just, you know, it it, it doesn't line up with the gospel. So if you're hearing anything like that in a church that you're going to, please get out and please go find a church that teaches about Jesus and the cross and his resurrection and his blood and how he is your savior and that you don't save yourself. Please find a church, a ministry that teaches that the truth. All right. So, Philippians 3, verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And yes, I did a word search with the word confidence because I was looking for Ephesians uh, 3.12 and I found it and a lot of other great verses. You know, then the word confidence actually comes up a whole lot more in the Bible than I realized. But here it is in Philippians. And Paul is talking to the Philippians and, you know, any, any of his epistles are really great because you can find grace in all of them. You can find teachings on identity in just about all of them. And if you're ever wondering anything about Jesus and the gospel and why he was here, other than obviously reading the accounts of him healing people and then preaching and the things he said, uh, I like it the way James Barron uh, puts it, that Paul was commissioned by the Lord to explain the gospel. Now, before you get all offended or anything, uh, you know, because, you know, one of my, honestly, one of my first thoughts is, why do, no, you don't need to explain the gospel. Jesus, you know, is the gospel and he, he said it best, this and that. And it's honorable to that thought, but, you know, there are things that Jesus said that, um, to me, and I'm just being completely transparent and, uh, and, uh, raw with you, uh, there's things he said that I'm like, well, Lord, I can't do that. <laughs> Or, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, if we're all being honest, it's like, I, I'm not going to do that, you know. And and, and if before you're like, oh, I can't believe a minister here is saying he wouldn't do something the Lord told him. Well, how many of you have chopped off your hand the last time you did something sinful with it? How, how many of you the last time plucked out one of your eyes the last time maybe you lusted after somebody in the supermarket and you said, oh, they look good. Where's your spoon for you to pop your eyeball out? <laughs> How many of you, uh, you know, if you did something sinful with your foot, cut that thing off, 
Jesus said it's better to go to heaven uh, and than for your whole body to be cast into hell. It's better to lose a little bit of it now. Now, do you do you ever see anything in the New Testament, in any of the epistles, in any of the early churches, where they had a good uh, chop service, <laughs> where they had a good uh, you know dismemberment, uh, new membership dismemberment special at the local church? <laughs> I don't think, I don't know. They didn't do that. Okay. So obviously there's something more. And I like to subscribe to the idea that, you know, Jesus said some things. He was a man. The Bible says he was a man born under the law. Okay. But he came to fulfill the law. And if you think about it, he took beatings and, and no, he didn't lose. He he never lost any, dis, he didn't have any dismemberment. So I'm trying to say, however, he took the lashings, the beatings all over his body and again, in the spirit, we were crucified with him. The Bible says our flesh was crucified with him. So that way we don't actually have to, you know, cut parts of ourselves off when we sin, you know, and praise God for that. He was our sacrifice spiritually and physically. He did what he did on the cross. So we would never have to experience even one drop of, of punishment for our sins and, yeah, sometimes in this natural world, uh, there are some natural things if you get caught or whatever. But, you know, I, I, I like to think, too, that God is so gracious um, as much as there is able. Uh, you know, and I've heard testimonies of people having court cases dropped and, and things like that where God God's grace, somebody really gets born again and God's grace goes to work for them. And, and man, even if they are in prison or something, they're out of there in no time, you know, and I'm not saying that this is only for that purpose, but I have heard testimonies about that. And it's it's awesome, you know, and God, it just to me shows how how awesome God is and how he truly has a heart to save us from our sins. Not, again, not a nice word salad, not some nice philosophical idea, but truly, literally save us from them spiritually and in the natural. Amen. And if you don't want to, I, I do, I'll, I'll take that. So again, uh, Philippians 3, verse 3, let's read it again. For we are the circumcision. So he's making a statement. He's saying we are the circumcision. Well, who's we? Well, he's not, he's not talking about the, uh, the Jews of the day. You know, Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee before he got born again. And so it wouldn't make sense for him to be talking about, oh, well, the Jews were the circumcision who worshiped God by the Spirit of God. Because they, they, they didn't. In the Old Testament and stuff, it, they had to do all these physical rituals and sacrifices and and things temple work and things like that under the old priesthood because the bible says in hebrews 10 it was a shadow of the things to come it wasn't the very thing so if you're looking to the old Testament, if you're a believer and your most of your uh theology or understanding of the lord and his nature comes from the old testament you're going back to shadows and typologies and not the real thing the bible says you're going back to the shadows and just the um the vague understanding of what it was going to really be like when God sent Jesus to enact this new covenant with us. So Paul says, we're, we are the circumcision. And the word circumcision there is used symbolically, meaning the special people of God. You know, that was a term used for the Jews. They were, they were the circumcision. They were the circumcised ones, the called out ones, the set apart ones for God. But now he's saying the church, a Christian, is the true new circumcision who worship God by the spirit 
of God in the glory of in Jesus Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. That's key right there. If you're putting confidence in your flesh and not confidence in Jesus and his blood for you and his sacrifice and his raising for you, then that self-righteousness um, that the Bible talks about looking at our own self and being impressed with what we're doing for God as self-righteousness. And the Bible describes self-righteousness as filthy rags. And that is uh, indicative of a used menstrual cloth back in the day uh, when women had to use a uh, cotton cloth uh, during that time. And that the Bible is saying that your self-righteousness that you're so impressed with is the equivalent of a used menstrual rag before God, which is, you know, obviously one of the most unappealing things out there. And Paul is saying that we should have no confidence in our flesh. And there's even another verse, it might be in this chapter too, and he talks about he wants to be found in Christ, not having any confidence in any of his self-righteousness. Having Actually, he says, having no righteousness of my own, meaning no righteousness that he's put, uh, producing, no righteousness that he's cranking out of himself because that's self-righteousness and God is like, ew, that's gross, get it away from me. <laughs> and that's unacceptable. The only The only righteousness that God is interested in being a part of is the righteousness that he executed through Christ and that he gives to us as a free gift. And praise God that you can receive it as a free gift. And when you think about it, there's really no other way to receive it, Right? It's all by grace. Would you give somebody that has like all the money in the world and can buy anything or have anything made or have anything done for them? What do you, what do you do for them? And what if they were to offer you a gift and that was the one thing that actually kind of excited them still and still made them feel good is to actually do something for you. The Bible says the lesser is blessed by the greater. How you can give back to God is just receiving from him, taking it and saying, amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay. I'll take it. Thank you. And how many of you know too, like when you're trying to do ni- something nice for somebody, it just feels kind of, kind of poopy whenever they're like, no, it's okay. I'm good. I'm good. No, that's all right, man. I'm good. And, and you're like, no, really here. Let me, let me do this. I want to do this. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. Like, seriously, man, let me, let me help you. No, no, really, really. I'm okay. And and you can tell what it, what it is you're trying to give them they need, whether it's a gift or you're trying to do them a favor, you know, and sometimes it can be off-putting when somebody has like a bunch of false humility and they don't want to receive because they, they don't want to be a bother. And maybe you've explained to them, you're not being a bother. I want to do this for you. I want to give you this. Let me do this for you, please. I'm re- I can do this. Please let me do it. And they still won't let you do it. They still won't receive your gift. And you, you can think about how sometimes that can be kind of offensive. And it's like, well, fine, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, not saying you have to be offended, but you know what I mean. And it, it, it can be. If somebody has... If somebody's moved with compassion and they're wanting to do something very loving for somebody else and the other person just completely turns it down, it is it is a put down and it is um and they may not intend it as a put down. Maybe that's not a the best choice of, of words, but you, you get the idea. So when we when we do that to God, God is saying, Here is literally my righteousness. Everything that is good and right about me, I'm giving as a gift to you so you can be a part of me, so you can escape the the damnation and the judgment that is to come upon those who refuse me. Please take this through my son. He's going to he's going to do this awesome act on the cross and resurrect and impart this gift to anybody who simply believes. 
God makes it so easy. Grace makes it easy. We make it hard whenever we say, but Lord. I think, but Lord is just as much of an oxymoron as no Lord. <laughs> you know, the only, the only proper response to anything God says is yes, Lord. <laughs> and it, it, it can be hard. And I've been there. You know, and, and sometimes if we're honest, you know, we say, Lord, I, I, I wish I felt different, but I, I think right now where I'm at, I would have to say, I'm sorry, but no, or I'm sorry, but I can't or whatever, you know, and, but God still loves you. He's still extending that grace to you. And, and it could be anything, you know, just, just surrender it to God and let him give you the strength and the grace to do what you know is right. And the most right thing you can do is accept Jesus as your savior. You have everything to gain, nothing to lose. Everything that you you are going to lose, you'll gain by letting Jesus be your Savior, giving your life to Him. Amen? So, let's get back to the, the Scripture. Paul is saying here that uh, we, we who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, we're the real circumcision. We are the true Israelites that we're we are the set apart ones for God now we're the we're the new uh, inheritance for the Lord you know and he's saying in verse 4 though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also if anyone thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh I have more so in this in this letter he's addressing some people who wanted to I guess challenge his authority to preach the gospel and he's like, listen, guys, it's not about that. But if you want to make it about that, I top all of you. You know what I mean? It, it's it's something where he knows. He's, he's somebody who came to the summit of anybody of that day, the highest summit anybody of that day could come to, or even now. And he says, uh, circumcised on the eighth day, which was the, you were supposed to be circumcised on the eighth day according to, to uh, the law, he it was an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin, which is like the favored son tribe, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. And Pharisee was the highest thing, you know, it was like the sheriff or something, you know, you just you don't get higher than the Pharisee. And uh, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, meaning he was such a hardcore Jew or or uh, you know. Hebrew minister, if you will, of, of the law, that he would even have people put to death, put to prison that dared preach anything else. And he says, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So he had this conscience where, according to the law, he's like, you, you got nothing on me. I'm clean. But he says later elsewhere that I counted all that as dung. In modern terms, excuse me, but he said, I count all that as crap before actually being born again and receiving salvation of the Lord. And that's where we all need to be. We all need to see our good deeds and works. Uh, anything that we are putting stock in spiritually, thinking that we are gaining a better position with God because we did this nice thing for an elderly person or we gave extra to this charity or nonprofit uh, whatever it may be, saved somebody out of the middle of the street from getting hit by a bus, whatever it may be, it, you know, ended world hunger, whatever. Those are all great things, wonderful, kudos if you've done those kinds of things. But Paul is saying before the Lord, 
you don't put your salvation stock in those kinds of things, trying to make yourself righteous by physical things in this world. He said, I count those as loss for the sake of Christ. And in verse seven, right after talking about he was blameless according to the law, he says, and whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may, get, I may gain Christ. King James uh, says it the best. He calls it dung, <laughs> which again, in our, in our words today, that would be poop, crap, whatever. Anyway, yeah, I promise I'm not just looking for an opportunity to use that word. <laughs> anyway, okay. And coming back to that verse, like just like I thought it, it was part of this chapter. And uh, verse 9, And to be found in him, meaning in Christ, meaning Paul wants to be in Christ, not in the law, not in himself. He wants to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Meaning, he doesn't want to appear before God now that he's had this revelation of Christ. He realizes if he tries to approach God under the law and under his own righteousness, under his cutting off of the feet and the hands and plucking out of the eyes because he's trying to maintain righteousness. He doesn't want to be found like that before God because it's he counts it as dung. I'll, I'll say dung. And he, But he says uh, that, meaning the righteousness, which comes through the faith of Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of, those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything of you, uh, and if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and stop there, and I, I wanted to come back to the uh, the essence of of this episode is the confidence that we have in Him. If Paul displayed that much confidence in the blood of Jesus and the resurrection and what Jesus did for us and said, even if you were to keep the law as good as me, or even better, I'll say, he's like, it's still all done before God. No one needs to stand before God covered in your own self-righteousness because that would be like covered in your own dung and thinking, look, God, <laughs> look what I've done. And <laughs> really, I mean, again, it's, uh, it's it's not just potty humor. It really it's that would be seriously in all seriousness that would be like that, like covered in dung, coming before God and Lord, here I am. Aren't you look at look at what I've done for you? And it would be just as offensive or more to think that the God of the universe wants to see that. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. So Paul understood this, and he had confidence in Jesus, and we need that as well. And we, we need to be preaching and teaching out there that when, when you're saved, um, you're saved and stuck, like Andrew Womack says. You know, I like that. You're saved and stuck because you're sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
until the day of redemption, the Bible says, and I've covered that verse before. And it talks about him being the guarantee of our salvation. I believe this in Ephesians. And here's the thing. If, if, you know, we start out this faith walk believing that God can raise the dead, because you have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, right? So that right there, if you think about it, it's like, whoa, I have to believe that dead people can be raised again, number one. Number two, you know, if, if we believe that, and if that's part of the requirement of being saved is you have to believe that, then we should also be required to believe the rest of it is that if you do become born again, when God comes back, when Jesus comes back for his church, you're going to be included in that as well. You can rest, you can relax and trust in him that he who began a good work in you is faithful and will finish it until the end and that he won't abandon you, that he's already factored in all of your mistakes, all of your sins along the way. The Bible says he gave us eternal life, not just life until the next time you mess up, not just life until you say something or do something wrong or go back to that old habit or whatever. You have eternal life. And the Bible also teaches that God doesn't deal with us according to the flesh. He deals with us according to who we are in the spirit. Bad people... Don't go to hell for being bad. They go to hell for rejecting Jesus. Good people go to hell for rejecting Jesus, but good people don't go to heaven because they're good. Bad people go to heaven because they trust in Jesus. I was a bad person. Some of you out there are bad people. And and some of you may be born again and still struggling with some bad things. But the good thing is bad people can go to heaven. Because the blood of Jesus has been shed for everybody, the whole world, and anybody, no matter how bad you are, If you believe in Jesus and receive him, you're washed and cleansed by his blood, pure as as white snow. Hallelujah. Isn't that the gospel? So, you know, that phrase may be a little little shocking at first, but maybe we need to be a little shocked and wake up and say, yeah, bad people make it to heaven all the time. If they accepted Jesus and became became made righteous, or became righteous by his blood, they, they were bad and then they got made righteous. You know, I think some of the basics of faith, we believe if someone had five minutes left to live and they weren't a believer, it'd be our duty and obligation to talk to them about Jesus with that last five minutes they had, right? Why do we think that that person, if they said, amen, yes, I believe, and they say the sinner's prayer or whatever, and we're like, ah, okay, awesome. Now I know that they made it to heaven. Why do we have that much confidence in that little five minute segment, but no confidence for somebody who's been born again 30 or 60 years and then maybe the last few years of their life, they just, you know, they stumble, they hit a low spot and maybe they pass during that season. And we're like, Oh, you know, I wonder if they made it. I wonder really, it it doesn't make sense. So if that's the case, really you have more faith in chronological timing than you do the blood of Jesus and its eternal value. You have more confidence in somebody not sinning the last few seconds of their life because, you know, four and a half minutes ago, they just accepted Jesus and, you know, okay, 30 minutes, they probably didn't do anything too bad or have a dirty thought or anything like that. But then somebody who's lived for the Lord and maybe seen miracles, signs, wonders, maybe pastor to church and, you know, uh, again, you know, they have a low spot in life and then maybe they get sick and pass, which, you know, I'm not saying any of this is good or we need to aim for this. I'm saying we put confidence in things all the time without realizing it. And a lot of times we put confidence in things that we should not. We put confidence in dung and self-righteousness, like Paul said, keeping the law 
you know, trying not to sin instead of the blood of Jesus. And this has been taught in the church widely. This has been taught from pulpits to destroy confidence and, you know, hearing things that you'll leave church scratching your head. Like I did a lot of times, like wondering, well, how do you get to heaven? (laughs) And it's, it's sad. If you're leaving a church still scratching your head and you can't answer that, it's time to find another church. And I say that with grace. I'm not trying to condemn any church out there. But if you leave church and you and or if you've been going somewhere and you still can't answer that question, like how does one get to heaven or how does one come into fellowship with God and your pastor or your ministers never cover that, it might be time to shop around a little bit. And you you need to find a place that teaches uh, only the blood of Jesus and that it is forever advocacious for you, meaning it's forever at work for you and it doesn't stop. And that even if you do mess up, was it First John 2, 1? Uh, Beloved, I write these things to you so that you don't sin. But if anyone does sin, we have, present tense, perfect tense, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is, again, present, perfect tense, the propitiation, which means the pleasing, atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he goes on to say, not ours only, but the whole world. That's why we can preach the gospel because he, Jesus has already paid for all the sins of the world. Now it's our responsibility to believe it and receive it. That's why we preach the good news. News is something that's already happened. We put the cart before the horse a lot of times in the church. Oh, you got to get clean. You got, well, if you can't come to God like that, you better quit your cussing and chewing and dipping and fussing and spitting and whatever else you do. And then, uh, and then it come to church and then, you know, pay your tithes and then become a member and this and that, and then join our club over here and our Bible study and this and that. And then we'll see if we can get you saved. (laughs) No, that's dung. (laughs) And we've, we've got to come back to the pure essence of the gospel. And this is why it's offensive. This is why, you know, if you watch The Chosen, it really does a great job at depicting the offense of the Pharisees and other people. Like, what? Jesus would eat with Gentiles? What? Jesus would heal this person? What? Jesus went to that person's house and talked to them? What? Because we categorize things and we cannot, in our own minds, it takes the the, the Holy Spirit to give us a revelation to see how God would mingle and, and spend time in fellowship with somebody who's unrighteous. The Bible says he justifies the ungodly freely being freely justified by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the bible says too that he would justify the ungodly how does he do that well through the blood of Jesus why can he do that because he punished our sin this is, no sin goes unpunished it was already all completely punished in the body of Jesus that's why now when you mess up you don't get zapped because in saint and sinner alike because all sin has been taken care of at the cross those of us that have put our trust in christ jesus are supposed to know that and it's supposed to be taught at the pulpit not not works and not you better watch it not you better make sure you're right make sure you're ready the blood of jesus if the blood of jesus brings you close to god it makes you ready for god okay and and you know i'm there like i I get it uh it's it's easy for our flesh to kind of creep up on us and when we hear somebody say oh he's coming back soon and if you feel a little bit fearful like oh man i hope i'm ready you know it's okay i'm not condemning you or anything obviously and that's just our flesh that the insecurity of our flesh is like oh man i hope i'm ready i hope i'm ready just know if you can have confidence when you're not thinking about it 
you can have confidence when someone brings it back to your memory fresh that, hey, he's coming back soon. You can be just as confident as you ever were. You can be just as confident as you were the first time you said the sinner's prayer or, or whatever you want to call it. Put your faith in Jesus, accepted him, believed on the report of the good news of the gospel as that first moment that you felt fresh and clean and man, this is awesome. This is great. I, you know, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. You know, he's, he's my Lord. He's my savior. All that goodness and good feelings. You, you can, you can allow yourself and afford yourself to have those feelings again when right now, because nothing has changed in the spirit. Your old man, your old man is gone. Your new man that you are in Christ doesn't wither and fade away every time you blow it or day by day. no, that that doesn't happen. The Bible says our outer man perishes because of sin. It's just when it's talking about sin, it means because, you know, sin has affected this reality, this this worldly realm. And that's just the course of things now is that our physical bodies, you know, uh if the Lord if he tarries, you know, that one day they're all going to expire. That we are these physical bodies now have an expiration date. Sin introduced an expiration date to everything on this on this world. And that's what he's saying that our outward man will perish. It'll expire at some point. But he says our inner man is growing new every day. It's being renewed every day. So he, he's saying like we're constantly new. You're new now, just like you were new 10 years ago, 20 years ago when you got born again, 30 years ago when you got born again, last month, last week, last year, whenever you got born again, whenever you accepted Jesus, you are always going to be that fresh and that saved that secure in the Lord, because if it was ever about your flesh, you would never make it. If it was ever about your flesh, there would be no gospel to preach because that wouldn't be good news. And if there were something of ours that we had to include in the gospel, let's just say there was some sort of new one law in the gospel. The one thing you had to do was like, never say a bad word again. Well, then it'd be somewhere in the Bible and we would have to tell people, hey, all this is by grace, except you can never say another dirty word. Well, obviously that's not in, in the Bible. That's not in the gospel. It's not in the New Testament. And yeah, there's things that teach us to, to speak right, but that is never a condition to be saved. A lot of times what we do, or not we, because I'm not going to include myself in this. A lot of times what some ministers or ministries out there may teach is the things that are things that we should do, like righteous living. We should be living righteous. Every Christian out there should be watching what you say, watching what you think, and drink and and watch on TV and this and that and how you act. You know, there are righteous things that we should be doing, but none of those are a prerequisite for salvation. None of those are a prerequisite for knowing Jesus or making it to heaven. Those are just things that now should be a fruit of our life. And there's grace when you mess up. Don't get me twisted. Don't don't mess up and hear me wrong. If you are struggling, I'm not saying that uh, you're not saved. I'm saying uh, there are things in the New Testament, there are guidelines in saying, hey, you know, so we can be a good witness because you know that if somebody is trying to uh, tell you something, but they don't represent it very well themselves, chances are you're not going to buy into that. You're not going to believe it. You're going to say, no, thanks. See you later. And and you're not going to be interested in that, right? If if uh, a scrawny dude was trying to sell you the world's best protein powder and promise that it's going to make you look like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or something like that and be huge and muscular, this and that. And he himself looked like a twig and, but said he takes it. He, you know, he takes his dose every day, this and that. And you're like, well, that sounds good. But uh, looking at you, I don't think that what you're saying is, is true. 
And it's like that for Christians. Like if we, if we are preaching and teaching this gospel and we're going around and we, our lifestyle looks just like uh, somebody that doesn't know the Lord. Paul said, you know, don't, don't let your life equal that of a non-believer. Don't let your life look like somebody who doesn't even know the Lord, you know, and it's not a work, a law. It's, it's just saying now that you know Christ, you know, give that time and, and let him, let that new man out, you know, let the new nature of Christ reign in your bodies, the Bible says. And so I just wanted to share those things today with you. And I wanted to just encourage anybody out there that, uh, and I'm, again, I'm being transparent. It's like me. Sometimes I can hear those messages about him returning and be like, oh man, like, am I really ready? And, and, and it's not always a, a question of like, if I'm really saved, but it's just like, am I even ready for him to come back now? Like, there's still so much I haven't done for him yet. You know, there's so much I want to see happen. There's so many miracles or healings I want to see happen. There's so many new levels of faith I want to, I want to be able to, to get to in the Lord. But, you know, it's his time. And whenever he returns, it doesn't matter how, how ready we feel or don't feel. The only thing it's going to boil down to is if you've ever accepted Jesus. And if you have, he knows those who are his, the Bible says he knows you and you actually know God too. Even if you don't feel like you're very close to God right now. If you've ever professed faith in him, you know him in the spirit and God knows you and the Bible is true. So, you know, take your feelings and if they're not lining up with the word of God, just manhandle them until they line up with the word of God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But seriously, yeah, one of the best ways to get your emotions in check is to just find that scripture that ministers to you according to your situation you're going through and minister to yourself. There's been tons of times I had a pre, I had church all in the cab of my truck on the way to work or at home when I'm alone or whatever. And I had some great church services. That was a good preacher that day. That, that visiting minister is real good. <laughs> and so uh, and I've had some of the best worship services all by myself in my room or in my, in my vehicle going somewhere. Uh, I've had some, some, I had some personal revivals all by myself, me and the Lord, you know, so let this encourage you today. I hope these verses I've shared from the Word of God have encouraged you today and helped stoke and and make some more confidence in you. I hope it's it's brought some more confidence to you. And just remember that if you've been born again, you are born again, and He makes all things new, and they stay new because of the power of the Holy Spirit that keeps you ready and guarantees your salvation that way when the lord comes back he sees those who are shining with his light in the spirit and he knows them and you'll know him when he appears amen so you are more ready for heaven than you think if you're a believer i don't care if you've been if you're just a brand new believer who started believing a minute ago or if you're 100 years old out there and you're starting you know you're wavering in your faith a little bit if you have accepted Jesus, you are as saved today as you were the moment you expressed faith in him. And just know that, you know, like the thief on the cross, he wasn't saved because he didn't sin again for the last couple of minutes of his life. He was saved because he expressed faith in Jesus. You know, it's a really great example. So let me let me end this with a prayer today. Father, I pray for the listeners I pray that you would impart confidence, that you'd restore a spirit of confidence to your children, that you would remove doubts and fears, that you would silence the voice of the accuser, the accuser of the brethren, 
I pray that you would silence the voices, Lord, that try to slip in doubts and disbelief to those that have known you. And they're wondering, though, if the sins they've committed after being saved have somehow undone their salvation. We thank you, Lord, that that is not the case. We thank you that your grace is bigger than all of our sins, than all the sins of the world. Jesus proved it on the cross by his resurrection when the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, from the inside out. That that proved that sin was completely taken care of. And there are so many other examples. I pray that you would give revelation to the listeners and those that have expressed faith in you, have believed in you, received you as Savior, could have this confidence, Father, realizing that it's not about us doing good things to be accepted into heaven. It's about accepting your goodness that you give to us as a free gift, and it's an eternal value, and as long as we hold on to that, we're good. We thank you for this, Lord. I pray that you'd seal these words up in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate it. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to become a partner and help me with this, uh, sharing this word, I would greatly appreciate it. Any amount is definitely appreciated, so thank you so much. And just remember, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. 